Uh, Brendan, the text that you just sent, the KTGR hotline, uh, no, that's not what I meant. Uh, what? Not sunny Florida. I I'm talking about mid-Missouri uh, uh, of the, the weather accusatory. here. Wait a second. I didn't send any... T- uh, who texted in now? What'd they say? Uh, there was uh, a text that I... I'm not going to uh, reveal the number, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's yours. What? Um, no, not what I meant. When I said text in a uh, a picture of the weather from where you are. A little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Sometimes our, our KTGR text line, you can text in and it might auto-reply saying, hey, thanks for texting. Let us know who you are, you know, what town you're in, so we can kind of name you on the air if you're so comfortable. And I wanted it to ask me that so I could reply, Brendan and Jupiter. Oh, that would have just been on. like the, the icing on the cake of the, uh, the, the sky blue picture I no. did. I did. I'll cop to it. I sent it into the text line no, from down here in Florida. Man. Not at all what we meant there. 875-KTGR. You can call or text us uh, with your thoughts on the Chiefs. Uh, again, they picked up the option on Chris Jones. It gives them the ability to give him the franchise tag if both sides can agree on that. But uh, certainly more of a timing thing is, as far as anything, uh, more so than anything official that could be happening there. But uh, keeping our eyes on that and keeping our eyes on what that could mean for 2024 is the Chiefs. Think about three-peat for next year. And here to talk with us about uh, well, the Super Bowl from last weekend and uh, what, what it could mean for 2024, our good friend Rob Vino at wagertalk.com, sports from a Vegas perspective. You can find him at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Robbie, how are you? I am good this week, guys. How are you? Doing pretty good. I mean, of course, the... Uh, the aftermath of uh, of the Chiefs winning once again, uh, of course, we are, uh, of course, putting that into context of uh, the tragic events that happened at, at the end of the parade and certainly uh, wishing everyone well there and um, uh, trying to get more updates as as things go along. But, you know, it, with the Chiefs winning once again and and the way that they did, Robbie, we were just talking off air about how Patrick Mahomes just does it again. And it, it's just to... Almost assume now is that kind of the assumption that Patrick Mahomes is just going to find a way every once in a while, regardless of whether a point spread is against him or not. It is funny, right? It's kind of the way you always used to feel about Tom Brady having the ball in the last two minutes in a come from behind situation. It didn't work out for him in that Super Bowl against the Eagles, where he got—I think it was the Nick Foles Super Bowl—where he got blindsided. But it just. You know, I, I think the announcers at the time, I can't recall who they were, but they were just assuming, you know, hey, Brady's going to go down the field and they're going to win this game. And that's kind of the feeling you get with Patrick Mahomes at this point in time. But I think, you know, where Casey's concerned, guys, and we do this segment every week, so we did it the entire NFL season. And the way we talked about the Chiefs, the way we assessed the Chiefs completely changed once the – playoffs hit and all of a sudden Andy Reid once again I mean I can't give enough credit to that coaching staff and the way they adjust and the way they do things there and work with what they have while other teams complain about what they have and what's not working they just find a way to fix it and make it work so great game overall um you know where I was concerned real quick I'll just tell a fast story here I mean for myself the top play of the day was Chiefs Team total over 23 and a half, and I needed every bit of overtime to get there. Needed that yeah. final touchdown for 25 in cash. But I had another prop. My second um, highest bet prop was Marquez Valdez Scantling over 19 and a half receiving yards. Guys, he had the 16 on the touchdown catch, 
and then they get to overtime, and he catches a ball for about seven yards, and I'm like, that's fantastic, 22, 23. He turns around and runs backwards nine yards and loses oh, over no! 15 and a half that I had. <laughs> but then as um, I had a neighborhood party here, and as I'm complaining to one of my neighbors, Patrick Mahomes will never go back to that guy again now. <laughs> he did very next play and got to 20 yards and won by half a yard. So uh, such is the world of sports betting, right? Um, you're upset one minute and happy the next or vice versa. But worked out good, um, and it was a great game, right? I know there were some questions about Kyle Shanahan's um, overtime choices as far as coin toss is concerned. But, um, you know, once again, Andy Reid's team was the prepared team, right, in overtime. So good job by the Chiefs in a year that you ne- really didn't, think that they were going to do it. They somehow found a way to do it. Found a way. Somehow. Rob Vino of wagertalk.com with us on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So now three-peats on the table for the Chiefs. No one's ever done that in the Super Bowl era. Uh, And, of course, a lot needs to be worked out as far as offseason, who is staying, who is leaving. Uh, It looks like most of the assistant coaches are sticking around, so there is that for the Chiefs. But... uh, when you look at the rest of the AFC and how they're now very clearly on alert that, hey, the Chiefs are the team that we are chasing. And then the 49ers still have a whole lot of talent that they can keep together and still be right there. I mean, how do you kind of set the situation with the Chiefs and the path that they might have for them to finally get a three-peat? Well, it'll be difficult again, right? Um, you would assume with Joe Burrow back, Cincinnati will be back. They were a non-factor in the AFC this year. Um, you'd have to believe that inside that division, what Cleveland did this year, despite running through quarterbacks all the way to Joe Flacco, that they would return and be really good. They lost Nick Chubb this year. Um, Cleveland should be good. Baltimore, of course, will be good. Buffalo suffered massive injuries on the defensive side. Um, in middle, late, and then into the playoffs. So Buffalo should be okay. Miami, there's just, you know, we can go down the list, and we're not even talking about the potential that maybe Jim Harbaugh's team sneaks in there and does a little something that uh, the Houston Texans might get a little bit better. Maybe they'll suffer a sophomore jinx. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of competition. <laughs> Guys, an awful lot of competition. It's really hard to play this future board. But, like, at this point is we're talking, it's all complete guesswork, right? Because we haven't seen free agency yet. We haven't seen the draft yet. We haven't seen a lot of player movement yet. Um, but when we do, I'm sure that odds board is going to shift. And if you can guess right at this point in time, you can cash pretty big tickets. So we'll see what the Lions are able to do. You were just talking about the um, money maneuvering that Kansas City might have to do. Detroit's kind of in that boat as well. Green Bay came on. We'll see what Philly does with new coordinators at Dallas. There's so many teams that um, you could probably make a legit argument for at this point. We'll see what happens as time goes on. But um, it's a fun time of year to speculate. If you're in that business of really, really, you know, buying penny stock speculation, then this is your time for the NFL Future Board. And Robbie, certainly another team that we think of in that respect is the San Francisco 49ers who fall just short in the Super Bowl Kind of how do you view this team? I want to ask about Shanahan in a moment, but I want to start with the team itself and the pieces that they have in place as far as their competitiveness in that NFC next year. Because when we look at the AFC, a lot of elite big-name quarterbacks, 
not as many of them in the NFC, but still some very good, well-rounded rosters. Eventually, it seems as though San Francisco is going to maybe struggle to keep their cast and crew together along with Brock Purdy. How do you view them just in the context of next season still being in the window to maybe be able to chase down one of these Super Bowls? Yeah, because they are lucky, right, that Purdy's not really getting paid yet. Um, so that's helpful to them. And they, they should be able to keep the court together. I found it you know, kind of curious that they fired Steve Wilkes. Um, I don't know exactly what he did wrong, but the, I guess the playoff run wasn't good. But I'll tell you what, the Super Bowl first three quarters were really good out of the San Francisco defense. So not so sure why that happened. But um, I think with them, guys, it would be all mindset. Are they devastated over what happened again to them against Kansas City, or are they of the mentality that we're going to work harder and bounce back? You have to remain healthy. It's a tough thing to do in the NFL. You guys know if you have a healthy year, chances are the very next year you're not as healthy. But San Francisco has as many components as anybody um, to, to be right back. And their division gets a little stiffer, right, because the Rams should be able to improve a little bit. I think Seattle's making a, I guess they um, retain Geno Smith, so at least they know they're going where they're going quarterback-wise. Could be a little better. It's, um, you know, <laughs> you were talking about quarterbacks. Jordan Love on the rise. Jared Goff, not a top tier, but certainly a 1A. Uh, it, it's an interesting battle, but San Francisco has an opportunity for sure to uh, do what they did this year. Then the other angle I wanted to pursue here with you, Rob, and it pertains to Kyle Shanahan after he took some flack for various decisions in the Super Bowl. And, you know, over the course of time, it's been his inability to win the big one and to be able to get over that hump, despite being largely considered one of the best coaches in the NFL. But like for you, especially in a playoff context, how much does that when 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 everything is on the line, sometimes as a as a handicapper, does it come down to coaching? And you look at the head coaches and those who have been able to get over the hump versus those who uh, maybe are, are yet to prove it. Does that factor into the way you handicap? And if so, how much, especially in a playoff context where obviously the pressure is, is higher than at other points in the year? Yeah, I have to admit that it really did this year, Brendan. I mean, you could almost knee-jerk mechanically two weeks ahead of the game, bet Kansas City on the assumption that Andy Reid's coaching staff was going to outcoach the other side. Um, it didn't necessarily work that way for a while, though, because I thought Kyle Shanahan's offensive game plan was really good to start the football game. They just never increased their lead. Uh, credit to Casey's defense, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola. Um, so I think for me, it actually did come down to Andy Reid, especially in the Baltimore game where I had Casey, I think I had first half point, team point total over there, just assuming that they would be able to outscript Jim, uh, John Harbaugh's side first half. And then the final game. So I think for me it came down to that twice. And as long as they can keep those coaches intact and that staff intact, um, KC certainly, you know, players win games, obviously, but there's certain points in a game where uh, we've seen Andy Reid in two Super Bowls now. The second half against Philly and this year against uh, San Francisco, just get it done. When they're behind, unlike Lamar Jackson, right, guys? And we talked about this. I know we did. When Baltimore's behind in a playoff game, how they panic, how they can't come from behind, how Lamar's going to wear that tag until he, you know, can have a come from behind victory in the playoffs. With Patrick Mahomes, you're behind 10 points, two scores. It doesn't matter. You're just fully confident that 
the coaching staff and, and that offense can get it done and defense will do something right. They needed a fumble punt, obviously, or a botched punt, but still, um, good things happen to those who are really prepared, and I just like Andy Reid's staff. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So that's uh, that's the NFL season for now, and we'll wait to see what the offseason looks like and who positions themselves well for uh, for getting back to uh, to the Super Bowl next year. But for now, Robbie, we, we kind of turn attention to uh, things like college hoops. Uh, pretty soon baseball will be coming. I know spring training's kind of uh, uh, a little bit away with the games, but uh, and then the regular season's a little bit off. But what's the free pick you like this weekend for uh, for folks to make them happy after football season? You know, I may just break out a, a real doozy for you guys today, but let me just say this. You said we turn our attention to now college basketball, right, Andy? I just realized the other day that lower major conferences, such as the Southern Conference and those types of leagues, after tomorrow they have four games left in their regular season. And then we're going to be talking about their conference tournament. That's like two weeks from now, and it seems, and you know, the NFL just ended. So that's how these things overlap so quickly. But I am today, because of the short board um, on a Friday, there are a couple of marquee games out there, but I'm going to take you to one that's on the extra board tonight. And, uh, you know, Queens College, your immediate thought is that it's in New York. It's in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Queens tonight has a game against Jacksonville University, Atlantic Sun game. Um, I played this game over 152, guys. The first time they played Queens, just, just for listeners' knowledge, they're the eighth fastest tempo team in the country. They're going to get up and down. They played Jacksonville, who's a methodical type team. The first time this year, these teams got to 156 points, 79 to 77. They missed 33 free throws in that game. One side missed 22. The other side missed 11. And they still got to 156. And tonight the total is 152. And it's home in Queens where they can control tempo. So I bet it over 152. I think, you know, Hey, if you get a replica of the first game and they miss another 33 free throws, you still win. So I think that's a, a really good bet for tonight. Queens at home against Jacksonville. And I know those listening will be hey. go deep in their uh, standings <laughs> to find out where these teams even reside. But one is in Florida, one's in Charlotte, North Carolina. I like to just break one of those out every now and again. Look, man. That is why Rob Vino is the best. Queens College and Jacksonville, hammer that over of 152.5. Uh, we love it, man. Uh, Rob Vino, wagertalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports for more of that great content, as well as at wagertalk.com. Robbie, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the weekend of hoops, and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend.